Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter number 11 tonight. John chapter number 11. Now, if you're the kind of person that is used to checking your clock frequently during the preaching, I want you to know if you find that it gets later and later, it wasn't Pastor Henderson that was long-winded, okay? It was Brother Osborne, okay? (laughs) John chapter number 11. I'm guilty of that as well, Pastor. I always say Osborne. That's that Mississippi draw. It just, you got to shorten everything. John chapter number 11. Tonight I want to preach to you on when God does His greatest works. Now I think about the song that was just sung. I think about what we celebrate next Sunday, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, showing His power, His victory over hell and the grave. And that is truly the greatest work that has been done. The completion of the work that was done on the cross of Calvary for each and every one of us. As we look tonight in John chapter 11, however... We're going to look at, up until this point in the book of John, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is about to perform the greatest of miracles to date that He had performed during His earthly ministry. When we come to John chapter number 11, the opening verses we find paint a very dark picture. They paint a very heartbreaking scene. If you're familiar with your Bible, you understand that this is where we find out that Lazarus, one of Jesus' beloved friends, is sick and has died. And Jesus, though he is uh, heartbroken over this, the Bible says that he wept over Lazarus. We find that Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, upon finding out that their brother had died, they are both heartbroken. They're broken in spirit. And this bothers the Lord. He loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. But we also find in this chapter that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to perform the greatest of miracles that has taken place up until this point in His earthly ministry. Now, we have seen where the Lord Jesus Christ has called the blind to see, has made the lame to walk. But we come to John chapter 11 and we find the Lord Jesus Christ will literally raise the dead to life. And I want you to notice some things that always take place when God does His greatest works. Now let's read our text. John chapter 11. Now some of you are getting nervous because you looked at how many verses my text is. But that's okay. We're going to read this together. And so follow along as I read beginning in verse number 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he, spoke, that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, comforting her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, coming to the grave, it was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand behind this pulpit and preach thy word tonight. Lord, I ask that you would allow me simply to be a mouthpiece, to be a channel through which thy message may be delivered. Would you speak to the hearts of thy people? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When God does his greatest works, we find again in this chapter, Jesus Christ has performed the greatest of his miracles thus far. But there are some things I want you to understand that will always take place when God is about to do a great work and preceding the great works of God. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Lord often will do His greatest works in our weakest moments. I believe that the Lord delights in doing the greatest of miracles in the darkest of times. So often in our lives personally and across the nation and across all the different examples that we find in the Word of God, He will often wait to do the greatest works in our lives until you and I are empty of ourselves. God delights in waiting until we are broken, and in our brokenness and in our weakness, God begins to do a mighty work. 
We find that example here in our text. In the opening verses, word is brought to the Lord Jesus Christ that his dear friend Lazarus is sick. And the Bible says that when he receives this word, he abode where he was for an extra two days. He waits until Lazarus not only has become sick, but then receives word that Lazarus is dead. And now we find Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, at this point are devastated. They're heartbroken. They have watched their brother not only in sickness, but now he has passed away. And in this moment, Jesus, when he received word that Lazarus was sick, we understand who Jesus is. We understand he's the Son of God. We understand he's the great physician. Mary and Martha understood that this was the Son of God. That's why they sent word to him in the first place. They knew that if Jesus would only speak the word, Lazarus would be healed. However, the Lord chose to wait. Rather than speaking a word and healing Lazarus, which would have been a great miracle, he chose to wait. Before doing the greatest of works, he wanted to wait until Mary and until Martha were in the darkest moment of their life, having only lost their brother. Now, maybe you've experienced this in your life. Perhaps there have been times in your life when you've been at your wit's end, when you've been in a difficult situation. Perhaps tonight you find yourself there at this present moment. I want to encourage you, so often God will do the greatest of His works in your weakest moments and in my weakest moments. Before any work can be done in our lives, we must be emptied of ourselves. Why is it that God chose to wait? Why is it that God did not simply speak and heal Lazarus? Why is it that the Lord often chooses to wait until we're broken and in need before He shows up and does the great work? Well, I believe with all my heart the reason behind it is because God knows before any work can take place in your heart and in my heart, we have to be emptied of ourselves. So often... We are a very prideful people. So often, we are a very self-promoting people. And so the Lord will wait until our pride is put beside us. Because as a self-promoting people, as a very prideful people, so often that gets in the way. And what that pride does is it hinders us from asking for help. It hinders us from seeking God early in our problems. Typically what happens in my life and in your life is we have a need. God is seeking to get our attention. There's a problem and we will exhaust every resource that we have and we will go in our strength as long as we possibly can before we turn to the Lord. So often we look at God as our last resort. And the sad thing about it is the help that God wants to give in our weakest moments is always available. It was there in the beginning of our problems, but we are so often so prideful that we cannot see it. And so God, in His goodness, waits patiently for you and for me to realize we need Him. I'm thankful that in my life, when I go through difficulties, God is so patient to wait. He doesn't take back His help. He simply waits patiently for me to recognize that I need Him. And I foolishly will struggle in my strength and in my power, but it's not enough. I need divine help. I need the supernatural help of God. You know, I often think about how the Lord must feel. He wants to help. He wants to be actively involved in our lives. And yet I wonder sometimes if when we're going through a valley and we're going through difficult circumstances, if God does not look down from heaven at our lives almost 
with a look of sympathy because he wants to help and he understands that help is available. But because of our pride, because of our attitudes, he cannot give to us the help we need in that moment. He waits until we have emptied ourselves of ourselves. I believe that God also will do His greatest works in our weakest moments in order to make sure that you and I understand that there can be no denying that it is of the Lord. It must be of the Lord. He works in our weaknesses to show Himself strong to us and through us to other people. Can you imagine that if the only time God ever worked in your life was in your strength? The only time that God ever did anything in and through our lives and in our churches is when we were in the prime of our strength. What would happen? Well, chances are we would very easily take the credit for what God had done. It would be very easy for others to mistake the work of God for our strength. God does not work in our strength. He works in our weaknesses. He does so in order to show Himself strong in and through us. But then I believe also that God does His greatest works at the exact moment that He knows our faith will be increased the most. To know that what happened in our lives, to know what God had done in and through our lives was by His grace and by His grace alone. We find Mary and Martha heartbroken, devastated, watching their brother whom they loved die, knowing that the Lord could have done something and chose not to. And they're broken in spirit. And God is about to do His greatest works. He waits till they're broken. He waits till they're empty. He waits until they know that it was of the Lord and of God only. He waits until the moment that their faith will be increased the most. Can I encourage you tonight? I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're in the middle of a valley, but I do know this. If you live much longer, you'll shortly go through a valley. Life is a series of valleys. And eventually, we will face many dark times, and we'll go through many moments of weaknesses. Can I encourage you that when you're in a time of brokenness, when you're in a valley, when you're in a time that you need the Lord, don't get discouraged. Don't get heartbroken as Mary and Martha did. In your moment of weakness and in your moment of brokenness, simply look to the heavens and look to God, because it may be God's about to do a great work in your life. When things go terribly wrong in our country when things seem dark and hopeless across churches across our nation i want you to understand it is the responsibility of god's people not to give up not to quit to keep our eyes on the lord understanding god may be about to do the greatest of his works in our lives this is when god does his greatest works but i want you to notice a few other things with me number one when god does his greatest works there will always be those who doubt. When God does His greatest works, it will always be preceded by and followed by those who doubt. In John chapter 11, look down with me in verse number 14. The Bible says here, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And verse 16 says, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. We find here in these verses 
that Thomas, we often refer to Thomas as Doubting Thomas. We understand that when you study the life of Thomas, he is a frequent doubter. And the Lord had just told him very plainly that Lazarus is dead. God told him very plainly in verse number 11 what he was going to do. Look at verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. The Lord here is speaking to His disciples. He's teaching them. He's informing them of what's about to take place. You would imagine that this were plain enough. You would imagine that what Jesus had just said was very clear and very easy to understand. He looks to His disciples. He says, guys, listen to me. Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I'm heading that direction. I'm going that I may awake him out of sleep. Jesus told them very plainly, very clearly what He intended to do. And yet we find Thomas was filled with doubt. He could not comprehend that Jesus would physically raise Lazarus from the dead. Now I don't understand and I don't quite know exactly where that doubt crept in for Thomas. It could be that he doubted the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to do such a thing. But rather than being excited, rather than saying, Yay, Lord, you're going to awake him out of sleep. You said you're going to raise him up. Let's go. I want to see the miracle. I want to see God work. That's how he should have responded. He should have been excited. God said, I'm going to work. He ought to have been excited to see that work. But rather, look in verse number 16. The Bible says in verse number 16, rather than being excited about what God had said, rather than having faith that God was going to bring to pass what He said He would, in verse 16, Thomas responds, Let us also go that we may die with Him. Well, does that sound like a guy that's got a whole lot of faith in what the Lord's about to do? No, he's filled with doubt. He says, let us go that we may die. Not, Lord, I want to see the works. He's expecting to go that he may die with Lazarus. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus and his disciples had recently been in the same area that Lazarus was. And they had been driven out by the Jews. You're in John 11, in verse 7 and 8, the Bible says that after uh, that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? You see, Thomas was reminding himself, he was remembering, he was reflecting on the last time that they had been in this area, the Jews had sought to stone them. The last time they had been in Judea, their lives were threatened. And Thomas, rather than having faith in what the Lord had said he would do, rather than looking at the mighty work that God would accomplish, he was too focused on the threats of the past. He was too focused on the obstacles that he could not see the mighty work that God was about to do for Lazarus. You see, any time God does great works, it's preceded by doubt. There will be those that doubt. You know, we see another example of this here in our text. Again, we see another one doubts. We find Martha. Jesus, just before performing this great miracle, just before raising Lazarus from the dead, we find Martha is also filled with doubt. Look in verse number 39 of our text. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. We find Martha is doubting along with Thomas. Thomas said, Well, Lord, 
you're going to do a great work, but that's what you said. But really, we're going into Judea to die with Lazarus. He wasn't having full faith that God was going to raise up Lazarus from the dead. Now Jesus is on the scene. The Son of God is present. He's there. And He says to the people, Take the stone away. And Martha's response, rather than being excited, rather than understanding something's about to happen, she says, Lord, He's been dead four days. He stinketh. Why are you going to take the stone away? You know, it's pretty evident to you and to me that if Jesus wanted that stone removed, then something was about to happen. If Jesus is about to do something, why else would He want the stone to be removed? You see, Martha could not see past her doubt to recognize that God is about to work. She had been so focused on how the Lord had left her in her time of need. She had been so focused on how the Lord was late to save Lazarus that when she went for help, He delayed in His coming. Now, we understand God had a reason for this. He delayed His coming that He might do an even greater work in their presence. He says so Himself. But you see, there will always be those who doubt when God is about to do a great work. And even after that work is done, there will be those that continue to doubt. You know, I was speaking just a few days ago over in Donellan at Riverland Christian Academy, had the opportunity to go and preach in their chapel service. And I was speaking about the uh, 12 spies that were sent into the Canaan land to spy out the promised land. And what we find, you know the story, the 12 spies went in, two came back and they gave a good report. Ten came back and they gave an evil report. And what we find is these ten, they came back and they were filled with doubt. Two were filled with faith. They said, hey, God gave us the land. The land is everything God said it would be. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. The fruit is unbelievable. And they had faith that God was going to do what God said He would do. But there were ten that came back and they admitted the land is what God said it would be, but they noticed something alongside of it. They noticed giants. They noticed the walled cities. They noticed the difficulty and the obstacles. And the ten were so focused on the difficulty and the obstacles that they were filled with doubt. They began to lack in their faith that God would do what He said He would do. And here's what happened. Ten came back filled with doubt. And almost overnight, that doubt spread like wildfire to the entire nation. Chapter 13 says the ten men gave an evil report. In the first verse of chapter 14 of Numbers, the Bible says, the nation of Israel cried and wept that night. They were broken-spirited. Why? Because before God does a great work, there are those that doubt. And by the way, when there are doubters among us, they only spread more doubt. When there is doubt in the church, they only spread that doubt to other people. What started with ten in the nation of Israel very quickly, very rapidly spread to the entire nation. Before God works, there is always those who will doubt. You know, I'm reminded and I'm thinking about again and praising the Lord for what took place here in this church several weeks ago with our faith promise you look at this board and you see $222,233 promised. That is where every penny of that is going toward men and women that are taking the gospel around the entire world. Central Baptist Church has a part in that. 
God did a mighty, mighty work through this church just a few weeks ago. But you know something? There were many that doubted the great work that God would do through that faith promise. And it may be that in the auditorium tonight, there are still those who doubt that the work that God done, He will bring to pass and perform what He had promised to do. God's work is always preceded and followed by doubters. Can I encourage you tonight? Do not allow yourself to be among the doubters. Do not allow yourself to be doubting along with them. Don't allow those that bring doubt into the church to rub off on you. Don't allow their lack of faith to affect your faith in the mighty working power of our mighty God. There are always doubters, but make sure you're not one of them. Before God does His greatest works, there are those that doubt. Secondly, when God does His greatest works, praise the Lord, there are those who rejoice. There are those whose faith will be increased when God does His greatest works. Look at verse number 43 of our text. When He thus had spoken, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. You know, in spite of those that doubt, in spite of those that would spread doubt among the people, there will be those when God does the greatest of His works that will rejoice. There will be those that will draw nearer to our God. Many recognize, the Bible says here in verse number 45, many of the Jews which came to Mary saw what Jesus did and they believed on Him. Many recognized the power and the love that God had demonstrated. And the result of that work, they believed. Many believed on the name and on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that many who had already believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, such as the disciples, such as Mary, such as Martha, had their faith increased in the Lord. You know, we could all stand to have our faith strengthened. We could all stand to have our faith stronger in the Lord. Anytime the Lord works, understand this, it is with purpose. Anytime God does anything, it is always with purpose. He always acts with purpose. God will never do anything just for the sake of doing it. There's always a plan. There's always a purpose. There's always a divine will that He wants to accomplish in our text He does what He does in order that they may believe. He said in the very beginning, He received word, Lazarus is sick. The Bible said Jesus abode two days longer. He receives word, Lazarus is dead. And He looks to His disciples and He said, Our friend is dead and I am glad for your sakes because now you're going to witness an even greater work. You see, the Lord always acts with purpose. His intent here in this passage is that those that would see the work of God would believe on His name. Anytime God works in your life and works in my life, it's for purpose. You know, it could be that there are times in our lives that God seeks to work in order to get our attention. We're such a stubborn people that so often God has to get our attention. There are times when God does His work in our lives in order to encourage us in the time of need. We're a needy people in need of encouragement. And praise the Lord, He takes notice of that. And He comes and He encourages us. 
There are times when the work of God is for the purpose of building our faith to new heights. When the testimony that God will leave for us Because God brings us through a valley. God shows up in our weakness and does a mighty work. It's to the intent and to the purpose that it would be a testimony to others of how God brought us through the valley. Friend, God always works with a purpose. Mary and Martha, they're in their darkest moment. They're in their weakest time. They're devastated. They're heartbroken. And in that moment, God sought to do a work. God had a purpose in that work. You may be in a time of brokenness. You may be in the midst of God doing a great work. May I encourage you tonight, seek the purpose that God has in it. There is always a plan. There's always a purpose. It may not be the way you want it done. It may not be in your timing and in your plans. Mary and Martha thought, they really believed that if they got word to Jesus, He would heal Lazarus from his sickness. And when that didn't happen, they were devastated. But had they understood, had they taken the time to consider that He does everything with purpose, it wasn't when they wanted it to happen. It wasn't how they wanted it to happen. But the end result is God was glorified. The end result is they understood the Lord is good. And He accomplished His work. They would have rather not seen Him die. They'd have rather the Lord just healed Him. Can I... Again, encourage you, God is working in our lives. God seeks to be actively involved in our lives, and He acts with purpose. Maybe not in our timing, maybe not the way we want, but God always works with a purpose. Look for the purpose, rejoice in what the Lord does, and allow it to draw you closer to the Lord. Again, going back to our faith promise, If you cannot rejoice in what the Lord did here at Central Baptist Church, and if that board right over here does not encourage you and increase your faith in your God, there's a major problem. I am thankful for the work of God, and I can tell you from a testimony that my faith in my God has been increased by the faithful giving of God's people and how God stirred up this church for world evangelism. Thank God when He does His greatest works there will be those that rejoice. But notice with me lastly, not only when God works will there be those that doubt, not only will there be those that rejoice, but watch out. Be careful, be aware, because when God does His greatest works, there will always, always be those who seek to tear down and to destroy what God has done. We come to verse number 45 in our text. The Bible says, Many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on Him. In verse 45, we find that the people that saw the work of God, they're rejoicing in the Lord. They're believing on the Lord. They're excited about the work of God. Look at verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. We look at verse 45 and we find that there are many who believe on the Lord. There are many that are rejoicing. But in the very next verse, the opening statement, but 
some of them. Church, we need to be careful. We need to be aware. We need to be prepared. Because when God does His greatest works, it will always be met by opposition. It will always be met with confrontation. When God is moving, when God is working, when God is in our midst, Satan is on the offensive. Satan wants to tear down and to destroy Here we find a group of people, rather than rejoicing in the work of God, rather than being excited in what God had done, immediately the Bible says they left. Having had issue with what took place, they found somebody, they found a group of people that they could spread their discord to. They could spread their issues that they had with the Lord. They went straight to the Pharisees. Now, when they went to the Pharisees, understand, this was not by mistake. This group of people knew who the Pharisees were, and they went to the exact group of people that they knew already had issue with the Lord Jesus Christ, and they went there seeking to stir them up against our Lord. They saw what took place. They saw the miracles. They didn't like it, and they went off to the Pharisees who had issue with the Lord and began to tell them, Can you believe what Jesus did? Did you see? Did you hear what he did? And they went seeking to stir up the Pharisees against the Lord. It was met by opposition. When God does his greatest works, there are always those that will seek to tear down and destroy. And here's the sad part about it. The sad thing is we see so much of that happening, not from the world, but among God's people themselves. We look at our churches And they're filled with busybodies, with gossipers. They're filled with those that would seek to tear down and to destroy any good work that the Lord has built. Even blood-bought, listen to me, the saddest thing of all is even blood-bought, born-again believers, if they're not careful, they fall into this trap of being used by Satan himself in their own church to cause strife, to sow discord, to spread doubt. Can I tell you, friend, I believe with all of my heart that God is blessing this church. God's hand is upon this local assembly. I can see the Lord moving in so many ways, in so many ministries. You can look at those in recent days that have come to Christ through the ministry of Central Baptist Church. Look at the young people in our ministries. Look at those at Ocala Christian Academy that have come to know the Lord. God is working Look at those who have followed Christ in baptism in recent days. Look at our church attendance. It's increased. It's growing. Look at our faith promise. And by the way, a week from today, God is seeking to do a great work through this Easter cantata. Through the choir, through the drama, God is doing a work. But where God is blessing, Satan is working. Where God is moving... Satan is orchestrating and moving among our people in an attempt to sow discord, to sow strife, to put out the flame of God. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves being used of the devil. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves simply upon enlisting in his army, doing that which would hurt the ministry. We see it all the time. We need to be careful. Now is the time when we should bathe this ministry in prayer. 
Now is the time when we need to be in the Word of God unlike we've ever been before. Now is the time to press on for the glory of God. Not allow ourselves to sit back and get comfortable and stay idle. It's not the time to doubt. It's not the time to allow the doubters to rub off. It's time to rejoice in the Lord. It's time to allow our faith to be increased. You see, friends, God does His greatest works. And there are always those who doubt. There are always those who rejoice and grow in the Lord. But there are also those who would seek to tear down and destroy. I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that rejoices. I want to be the one whose faith is increased. God forbid I ever be involved in something that would hurt the ministry of God. And I pray that that is your heart as well. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And it may be that the Lord is dealing with your heart tonight. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has put His finger in your life on some area, in some way, you have been involved in hurting the ministry of this church. Whether it's through gossip, whether it's through being a tailbearer, whether it's through sowing discord, but you can find that in some way, without even knowing it, Satan has enlisted you to tear down and spread doubt throughout this church because God is working. I invite you, if that's the case, to come get right with the Lord. Perhaps tonight you can relate to Mary and Martha. Perhaps tonight you're the one that's going through that difficult time. You're the one that's in your darkest moment. You're the one that's in your weakness right now. And God is seeking to do a great work. And you need to come and seek God's purpose in your circumstances. Perhaps tonight you have been listening to me speak about the greatest works that God does but you've never experienced the greatest work, the work of salvation. And you're here tonight, and if you were to die tonight, and you're honest, you have no idea that if you were to die tonight, heaven is your home. You've never experienced God's work of salvation. You've never asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and save you. Then I beg you during this invitation, if you'll stand to your feet and walk and meet our pastor at the front, Somebody who loves the Lord will open that Bible and show you how you can be saved. If God's working tonight, I invite you in this invitation to come. Let's bow for a word of prayer.